chapter number three, if you will, this morning. We're going to continue looking here uh, at this verse in verse 10 and uh, kind of pick up uh, where I got, where we kind of left off last time, kind of, kind of remind ourselves. And uh, I entitled this morning, Educating the Angels. We talked about last time about what the angels need to know and so forth. And I, I just really want to look at this. There, there is a, there's a method to my madness in teaching. There always is. And something I, I want to take us from here over, and we're going to kind of introduce it this morning with you a little bit. And, and really, if you, are you in Ephesians 3? Look across. We're going to be in verse 10. You think I'm leaving the chapter, don't you? Look over at verse 18. Right, uh, Paul, one of Paul's prayers that are listed in, the, in his epistles for us, he says, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know the love of Christ. Don't ever let anyone ever tell you you cannot know the love of Christ. That verse says you can. Okay? That verse is a verse, comprehend, know, understand, look at, see, put it together, the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height, and to know. So there's some things that we need to know about and to comprehend and to look at. And in Ephesians 3, uh, we've, we've been starting in verse 7, so we'll just start there and, and read. We're really focusing in on verse number 10. And there's some things in, that are going on behind the scenes in this verse. When you, you, you come over to chapter 5 of Ephesians, there in verse 18, and Paul says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. And everybody says, Ah, see, look, you can drink, but you just can't get drunk. And that's a, that is a horrible use of that verse. Actually, it's almost blaspheme. Okay? Because that's not what Paul's talking about at all. All right? In your Bible, in Scripture, there are two types of wine in your Scripture. One is the fruit of the grape right there. It's, it's not fermented out and so forth. And then there's the fermented kind. <laughs> what he's talking about there about that wine has to do with some spiritual stuff that's going on behind the scenes with the, with, with the adversary, with Satan. And when we come in verse 10 here in chapter 3, there's some things going on that the adversary is now doing. And I want you to be aware of it. I want you to understand that. I want you to be able to comprehend that and to look at it and to see it. Because when we look around the world out there, you know, what a crazy mess is what we say. Guess what they said in the 1700s? Same thing. Okay. <laughs> you know, it was a crazy mess back then. They just didn't have automobiles and cars and 24-hour news cycles and all the other mess, right? But they still had the mess. You read some of the history books and the biographies and stuff of that time and they had a mess but it was just a little different so you know the world's going to hell in a handbasket been doing it since Adam okay so but you need to understand some of that Ephesians chapter 3 verse 7 Paul says wherefore I was made a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the, of the world hath 
been hidden God who created all things by Jesus Christ. And we looked at all of that up to the thing here. Here's Paul's ministry verses, if you will. I'm sent here to preach the, the unsearchable riches of Christ and then to put it on display so that all would see it, all make all men see what is this fellowship, fellows in a ship, all this stuff we have in common, all of the message, all of the doctrine, all of the standing. It's in Ephesians 1 where he says we're complete in Christ. I'm sorry, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And then he begins to list them for you. And he gives you categories. It's, it's wonderful. You, you got to, Paul, God is not a God of disorder. He's a God of order. And when you, you see he, he's got structure and categories and lists and things for you, and he says, hey, I'm going to make all men see what is this wonderful message that we have. Our job as ambassadors is to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. It's to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. So we got all of that going on, right? Then he says, verse 10, to the intent. Here's why we're doing all that. Yes, we are doing, the, the will of God today is have all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. It's that simple. It's, that's all that it is. It isn't anything else. It isn't religious due hierarchy. It isn't religious ceremony. It's just simply seeing all men get saved and then come to the knowledge of the truth. If you run into someone who is saved and understands salvation is by trusting Christ and Christ alone, then let's get them in the truth and expose them to the truth. Nine out of ten of them will reject the truth. I say that from 20 years of doing this. I say that from growing up in this message. When you begin to lay out right division in front of people, what happens? They clam up and they leave. You can, there are several ways you can leave a church, by the way. The, the right boot of fellowship, where they're booting you out, or you can leave. See, I like to get booted out. That was a lot more fun sometimes. I'm just kidding. You guys relax. It's only Sunday. I can get the joke book out here. Bust the, okay. <laughs> you know. No. No, so when you, but what is it? To the intent. There's something else going on. Yes, we have that ministry out here to the people that we get involved in. But there's also something else behind the scenes going on to the intent that now, right now, today, 2019, October 20, what is it, 7, 6, 7, 8, 9, whatever. The end of October, okay? Right now, unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Our great privilege, our great responsibility is to proclaim the message. It is to make all men see. But it is also to understand that there's a, there's a silent audience that is watching and paying attention. And it's those that take up the heavenly places. Those that fill, we, talk, we looked last time at that rank of the heavenly places of the, of the principalities and powers and thrones and demi, demi, uh, dominions and mights and rulers and all, every other name that's named, those seven hierarchy governmental positions there. We're, we have this privilege of being involved in that plan. 
that manifold wisdom of God. Now watch verse 11. According to. I told you to watch the according to's. That first of the year. According to what? The eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. According to the eternal purpose. Folks, our job, our wonderful responsibility, our wonderful privilege is to show the wisdom that God has and what God's doing in his creation. And that's what we're talking about here. Where he's going to do chapter 1, back, flip back to Ephesians. By the way, you notice there's no overhead? Because last week I only got halfway through it. <laughs> so this week we're not going to do one. Look at Ephesians 1 verse 10. That's okay, you'll be fine. Don't, don't worry. Ephesians 1 verse number 10. What's his goal? What's his, verse 9, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself. You know what the, the Godhead did? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, they get together. They have an eternal purpose, an, an eternal conference before the foundation of the world, way back there in eternity past, and they said, this is what we're going to do. The Father's plan, Paul calls him in, in here in chapter 1, he calls him in verse 17, the Father of glory. The Father has a glory plan, and the plan is verse 10. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one, what? All things. And the all things is the government of the heaven and the government of the earth. All things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. So when we come back to Ephesians 3, he's going to take the government of the earth and he's going to put it under the, and he's, and he's going to accomplish that through the, through the house of Israel, the house of Jacob. He's going to take Israel. Peter asked that question over there. He goes, Lord, what do we get when you come back? What do we get? And everybody thinks Peter's being selfish, and he's not. The question is right where he should be, right in the program that he belongs to in God's program of, hey, we forsaken all. That's the mark of a discipleship of a disciple, is to forsake it all and follow him. And he says, what, 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 what do we get? What's, what's the, the end result? And he says, you'll be sitting on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. That governmental structure. You go in Ezekiel, and Ezekiel, you see that David is going to be resurrected and sit as Israel's king. The 12 will be resurrected and sit on the 12 thrones. And then in the parable over there in Luke where he says, hey, I'm going to go off and occupy while I'm gone and do your job. And when I come back, he counts the talons out. And he looks at that guy and he says, you, get ten, you have authority over ten cities. Those twelve tribes are going to run the Gentile nations on the earth. Where does that happen? Out there in the dispensation of the fullness of times, the new heaven, the new earth. Meanwhile, back on the farm, here you and I are, and where are we? Where's our home? Chapter 2, verse 6, he says we're seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And guess what's going to happen in the heavens? He's got a structure in the heavens that are going to be there. 
and that structure in the heavens is going to be as just as the earth will be divided out into the 12 tribes of Israel, those 12 sections are going to be reflected in the heavenly places, and you and I fill all that up. And we fill it up, and we're going to do what verse 7 in chapter 2 says there. We're going to show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. But right now, our job is to make known the manifold wisdom of God. Come back with me to the book of Job. On your way, get Proverbs. Proverbs 3. You see, when you begin to look at the issue of creation and what God's doing in creation. Job 38 and 39 have more about creation than is covered in the first book, first of Genesis. Actually, there is more in Isaiah and Psalms about creation than there is in Genesis 1 and 2 and 3. Job 38 Verse 1, Job 38, verse 1. Hang on, I'm looking for a verse. I told you Proverbs 2, right? Okay. Job 38, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Now Job's been dealing with his three miserable friends. Now the Lord's going to talk to Job. Okay? And he says, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? What a question. That's a wonderful question that the Lord asked Job. Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Now when he says, gird up thy loins like a man, he's not telling Job, stand up and grow up. Quit being like a baby. Rather, he's looking at Job and saying, Job, you stand there and answer my questions of why I put man on the earth to begin with. Why did God create man to begin with, Job? Answer the question. Where were you? Where was thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measure thereof, if thou knowest? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Whereupon are the foundations therefore fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Job, I want you to think like a man's going to think. You need to think about this this way. Where were you, Job, when I created everything? Where was man? Not there. He wasn't even there. He knows where he was. Job does. He's not there. He didn't exist yet. But who was there? Well, the Godhead was. And look at verse 7. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. There, look who's watching. 
The angels are watching. The angelic host are there. And they see what God's doing. And they shouted for joy. And they sing. And this is a wonderful event that's going on. They're watching. They see what's happening. The angels know that something was going on, and they wanted to know what it was all about. That 1 Peter 1, he says, the angels inquire, desiring to know, they looked into the matter. They know. They see the Lord doing, the Godhead doing this, and they're like, what in the world is going on? God's execu- he's e- executing them. He's educating them. He's not executing them. He's educating them. As they see creation, that's what you call, not can't read my writing. They're watching that. Flip over to Genesis 1. What did they see happen? Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the faces of the water. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw. And off you go all the way down through the end of that chapter. The rest of that chapter down to verse 26. And it's and God. And God. And God. As they watch him do that. He's creating, isn't he? He's doing. The angelic host, watch it. But something's wrong. Look in there in verse 2. And the earth was without form and void. Well, come over to Isaiah. I know you got Proverbs. That's okay. Hold on to it. Look at Isaiah 45. Something's up. Isaiah 45. In verse 18, Isaiah 45 and verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it. He he hath established it, he created it, not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. When God created the creation, he did it and not in vain. He created it perfect, didn't he? But he he created it to be inhabited. But in 1-2 it says it was without form and void. Uh Uh-oh, what happened? Come over to Jeremiah chapter 4. Jeremiah chapter 4. That term, without form and void, is a term that references the second coming, tribulation of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes back and he judges. So there is a judgment that has been placed on creation in Genesis 1 verse 2. In in Genesis 1 verse 2, without form and void, there's no inhabitant. There's There's no form, there's no function. It's just there. It's been judged. Jeremiah 4, verse 23. This is the only place that this term occurs outside of Genesis 1, verse 2. And it's in connection to the second coming, to the battle of Armageddon, 
and the result of that judgment on that, of that battle against Satan and his host. Jeremiah 4.23 I beheld the earth, and lo, it was without form and void, and the heavens, and they that had no light. I beheld the mountains, and lo, they trembled, and all the hills moved lightly. I behold, and lo, there was no man, and all the birds of the heavens were fled. I behold, and lo, the fruitful place was a wilderness, and all the cities thereof were broken down at the presence of the Lord and by His fierce anger. So between Genesis 1, 1, and 1, 2, the Lord's anger erupts and the lord there's a there is a judgment on what he has created in verse one now i know you get all this the, the gap theory blah 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 so if you stick around the next couple weeks you're gonna i'll show you the conspiracy theories result out of the belly of satan himself so if you want to have a conspiracy theory you can have it I like them. I enjoy them. I don't believe them. I just like figuring them out. You know who shot JFK? A gun did. Somebody pulled the gun trigger. That's who shot him. Now that just busted that all up for you, didn't it? It's not this, but I'm going to tell you what, folks. That desire to know what is unknowable comes out of the pit of Satan himself to try to deceive you into figuring something out and looking at that Word of God completely different and wrong. Satan falls somewhere. In 1-1, he's created the heaven and the earth. And in 1-2, his creation that was going to be perfect, we only looked at one verse, but it's uninhabitable now. Why? Because he's judged it. You come over to Proverbs. Proverbs 3. I say that because we're. I'm trying to... The angels are watching us because they know something's up. The description, by the way, of that form and without form and void and form is a description as a result of the judgment of God. And that's key to understand that. Now look at Proverbs 3 and look at verse 19. Our job is to make known the manifold wisdom of who? Of God. Now watch 319. The Lord by wisdom hath founded the earth. By understanding hath he established the heavens. By his knowledge the depths are broken up and the clouds drop down the dew. That is one of the most important verses on creation that there is in your Bible. Verse 19 and 20. When God created, how did he do it? By wisdom, by understanding, by knowledge. Come over to chapter 8. Folks, the Lord didn't just create the create, the create, just to create, to have something to do. We'll do this and we'll do that. He did it because he had a plan. He did it because he had a wisdom plan. Proverbs chapter 8, chapter 8. You see, folks, God, the Godhead had a plan. And they're going to execute this plan. 
The angels see it going on. They're interested in it. They see it. But then they see trouble show up. A usurper is in their midst now. Trouble is on the line. Proverbs 8, if you look, Proverbs 8 links up with that stuff in Job 38, by the way. Drop down verse well, verse 1, doth not wisdom cry, and understandeth put forth her, ver, her, her voice. Verse 11, for wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty invention. Wisdom's going to talk. Wisdom is going to show up here and talk and speak. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me in the beginning of his ways before his works of old. What did, what did the Lord possess in the beginning? Before his works of old, before he started creating anything, what did he possess? Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. By the way, I'll just remind you, those are the gold, silver, and precious stones that we are to be building in on our foundation. That's, what, that's Paul over and over again. Have some wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And then he throws that fourth one on there, prudence. And he says you've got to have some wisdom and knowledge and understanding over and over again. Here it is. He had a wise plan. And on the basis of his, of his plan, of him understanding what, what, what was to happen and where it was all to fit and to go, he created and he made everything verse 29 proverbs 8 29 when he gave to the sea his decree that the waters should not pass his commandment when he appointed the foundations of the earth do you know why the water stops where it stops there's a command there there's an ordinance there Look at verse 30. Then I was by him. Again, who's the I? Wisdom. As one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight, rejoicing always before him, rejoicing in the habitable part on his, of his earth. And my delights were with the sons of men. I, wisdom, boy, he delighted daily in me. Every day. You know what he would do? He would come up. He would take that blueprint of creation out. And he would say, okay, we're going to do this today. And he says, all right, we're going to do this. And God said. And bam. Oh, boy, look at it. You know what? Every day ends with, and God thought it was what? Good. Then he'd go, okay, we're going to come up. All right, the next day, come over. And go, all right, we're going to do this. And wow, it matches the plan. And there it is. And it's perfect. The plan came together. Come over to Psalms 115. You see, everything was clicking right along until the usurper showed up. And when Satan showed up, he, we'll see him in just a minute here in Isaiah 14, we'll see his decree. So then when God in Genesis 1, 2, it's without form and void, there's been a judgment. 
by the way the Spirit of God moves upon the faces of the water, verse 3 says, And God said, the Holy Spirit always works with the Word of God, always never works apart from the one or the other. No matter where you're at in the timeline of God or in the books or in the dispensations, the Word of God and the Spirit of God are always working together, never separate. The fall of Satan happens. By the way, in Genesis 2, verse 1, now it's heavens, plural, right? Because what has happened in chapter 1? He went over to the blueprint and said, hey, this is what we got to do today. It's done. There it is. It's good. Boom, there it is. And on day 6, who did he make? He made man, didn't he? A creature never made before. The angels had never seen a man before. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my goodness, what is this guy? Who is this? What's this two-legged thing doing? And they begin to watch. Now you got three heavens. That's, by the way, that's why the new Bibles, they change that word heavens in, in one, one. And it's not a, it's, by the way, that Hebrew word for heavens in, one, in Genesis 1, one can be translated singular or plural in the Hebrew. Just give you a little Hebrew lesson for about 30 seconds. The problem, the thing is, is that the new Bible translators don't have a biblical knowledge to understand what's happening in chapter 1 into 2. So they take the cheap way out and go heavens, because heavens is over here now, because we have the first heaven, second heaven, third heaven, instead of wait going, hang on a minute. That's why your King James Bible translators had biblical knowledge. They understood what was going on in chapter 1. That there is a judgment, and now we're going to not recreate, but recreate the scene. Because we're going to put the guy in there now, man, whose job it's going to be to subdue back all of that to the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did I lose you? I hope not. Because this is just introduction. Psalms 115. Psalms 115. Verse 15, ye are blessed of the Lord, which made heaven and earth. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Where's man's dominion? On the earth. He's earthy, isn't he? That essence of humanity, the spirit, soul, and the body, that new create, all of that belongs here on the earth until he gets to who? The church, the body of Christ. Where now he's going to make a new species of humanity. That's why we are called a new creature. We are a new creation. Where he's now going to take man, people who have trusted his son, who become parts and members of the body of Christ, who now have a job in the heavenly places. But you and I can't function out there in the universe in this body, can we? We go up, you blow up. You've got to have that space suit. You've got to have all that stuff to keep you alive up there. But then one day when the Lord returns and the shout happens and we go home, the trumpets blow, what happens? We get a new body. Now we can function where? In that heavenly places. Do you know who's watching all that? The angels are. But so is another character. Come over to Isaiah 14. 
In Job 38, back there, Isaiah 14, all, that, all those questions are simply to remind Job about man's purpose. You read over there in Job 39, he's supposed to have dominion over the animals. And he looks at Job and goes, how you doing with that donkey over there? Job goes, not too good. <laughs> you know, man has failed. Sin entered into the scene. Genesis chapter 3, you've got Adam and Eve you've got in the garden, and Satan comes up to Eve, and the first thing is, yea, hath God said. Did, he, did God's word really say what you're now thinking it did, did say? And he leads her down through. Forty-six words he says to Eve, and he got her. The DNA makeup of man, by the way, is 46 chromosomes, 23 from mom, 23 from dad. He got humanity in 46 words. Just kind of happened to be that way. I'll show you the passage in Psalms where David talks about the DNA book. There's a book of DNA. Every one of us have it. You guys think the scientists today are, are, are leading the charge. They're, just, they're not even catching up. They're so far behind. Satan shows up. Isaiah 14. The angels are watching. They're rejoicing. They've been watching God create. They watched God make this man and called him Adam. They've watched God look at Adam and make him a helpmate and Eve, a wife. So you got Adam, you got man and woman there. The angels are watching this. So is Satan. Isaiah 14, verse 12, you have, uh, this is a prophecy looking to the second coming, the end of the tribulation period, where Satan, where the, the little flock is going to mock Satan as he's cast off and loses. And he says, and they say, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weakenest the na weaken the nations? And that, that's interesting. Satan, he's Lucifer. He's the light bearer. That's what Lucifer means. He's to take the word of God and he's to hold it up and to proclaim it. And to put it on display and hold it up and honor the Lord. That was his job as the anointed cherub that covered. You could say that. <laughs> he blew it. Hold on here and run over to Ezekiel 28 just real quick. Isaiah 14, hold on to it. Ezekiel 28, verse number 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him that, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. There's a description of Lucifer. He fills up, he sealeth up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Well, who was in Eden? Well, Adam and Eve are. The Lord Jesus Christ is. So who's the other character? Lucifer, Satan. He's there. Nobody else is there. Verse 14, 
by the way, verse 13, every precious stone, all of that covered, the tabrets and the pipes at the end of that verse was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. Lucifer is a created being. He's the, verse 14, the anointed cherub that covereth. His job was to cover. It was to hover over the throne room of God the Father. Back there in, in, in Revelation 4 and Revelation 5, they've got cherubs that cover the four corners. And he was designed to cover over the cherub, over the throne room, and to lead in music. The angelic hosts as they sing with joy and rejoice in honor and worship of the Lord Jesus, of God, of the Godhead. And the problem in verse 17, well, verse 15, Thou was perfect in thy ways from the day that thou was created, till iniquity was found in thee. Verse 17, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. 1 Timothy 3, the Apostle Paul says pride is what got him. Come back over there to Isaiah 14. Pride's what got Lucifer. In a proud for moment, he fell. And he developed a plan, Isaiah 14, when he fell. He, by the way, think about this. Here you are, you're leading the universe in song and worship. You look down at the throne room. The floor of the throne room of God the Father is described as a sea of glass, a mirror. What do you do when you go by the mirror? Okay, it's all good. Okay. Right? He began to see himself. He developed a plan. Isaiah 14, verse number 13. For thou hast said in thine, what? Heart. Iniquity was found where? In his heart. What does he say in his heart? I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. What's he do? He says, I got a plan. And my plan is to be better at doing what's going on than him, God. As they look back at him and mock him, they remind him of his five-point plan. I will be, I will ascend into heaven. Here's his plan. I'm going to exalt my throne. What's a throne? Governmental authority. I got my own government. We're going to have a coup. We're going to take over. We, we're going to, Psalms 24 calls him the, he, he's an imitator. He's the imitation, he's the imitator. <laughs> and he, he wants to be God. That's what he wants to be. I'm going to exalt my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to be above the angelic creation. I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the boss. I'm going to be the king. I'm going to be like the most high. The congregation of the north there, the sides of the north. I'm going to sit in authority. I'm the one that's going to sit there and sit in judgment. You go over and remind yourself of Job 1 and 2 where Satan and the Lord talk about the servant Job and they're gathered into those, 
mountain, the congregation of the sides of the north. By the way, just FYI, when all that comes to the earth and the Lord sets up everything, we're talking about Lebanon. That's what we're talking about on a map, north of Jerusalem, okay? But what it is, is it's a place in the universe, up in the north end of the, of the universe, where all of the angelic hosts were come and give an account. It's an accounting meeting. That's why in Job 1, the Lord looks at Satan and says, where, where, where have you been? And he goes, I've been walking to and fro in earth and seeing and looking around. Then in verse 14, he says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. He's the lifted up one. He's going to be the worship. So you got him saying, I'm going to be king, and now I'm going to be priest. And I'm going to be like the most high. I'm going to be the prophet. By the way, if you write down Genesis 14, verse 18 and 19, the most high is defined for you as the possessor of heaven and earth. Satan says, I want to be like him. A counterfeit. I, Satan knows he can't be God because he can't speak it into creation. He's created. He, Satan's a created being. He knows that. But you know what he says? I can be like him. I can imitate him. I can have a plan. I can have a scheme. And, the, and all the angels are watching this. Come over to, back to Ezekiel 28. That's his plan, folks. His plan is to exalt himself and to be the king, the prophet, and the priest over the creation. So now you come to Ezekiel 28. Look down, start at verse 16, kind of where we stopped. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Thine heart was lifted up before, um, because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before the kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thy iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. Boy, he going to get on with it, isn't he? What I want you to notice in verse 15 is the issue of the by the multitude of thy merchandise. And then in verse 18, by the iniquity of thy traffic. When you have merchandise and you're going to traffic it, what are you doing? You're selling it aren't you? You're selling merchandise. We're going to sell it. We're going to make money. What's he selling? A plan. A wisdom plan. A plan of wisdom that says, if you follow me, we'll be like the Most High. I got a plan. And you know what he did? <laughs> Hold on to all this. Go over there to Revelation 12. You know what old Satan did? He goes out there 
You can let, just let Ezekiel go. Get Revelation 12. Revelation 12, verse 4. Talking about the, the dragon, about Satan. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and then cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman and off they go. You see that issue about the third? Satan goes out there. He starts merchandising his plan. You see, his plan is an information plan. Most of the times when you join a, a, a multi-level marketing or something, you're, you're pushing pills or, or products and stuff. His product was information. His product was wisdom. And he took it to the only audience he had at the moment, which was the angels. And he got them. If you come back to Daniel... It's just fascinating, folks. I'm sorry if I'm boring you. But you've got to understand what's going on because this stuff is going on. And you and I have the privilege of educating the angels and in the recovery, the reconciliation plan that the Father has for the heavens. Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. He goes out, and he, grab, he gets a third of that angelic host to follow him and to come with him. Daniel 10, the last verse, verse 21. Now, Gabriel has gone to talk to Daniel, but he's been withstood there in the, in the angelic host by the king of Persia and so forth. And he, said, he makes a telling statement to Daniel, Gabriel does. And he says, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth with me in these things. The, the truth of the scripture. There's no one else out there in angel land except Michael, your prince. When Satan went to traffic his wisdom plan, you know where he went? Not to the janitors, but to the CEO guys, the head guys. He got them all but Gabriel and Michael. And if you think about that number 12, he got 10 of the 12. Took them. They followed him. They went with him. Now, if you take the hierarchy, who's going to fall easily? Everybody else down. So you have elect angels and you have fallen angels. Come over to Colossians chapter 1 where we were last week. Now, all that was introduction to get to here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You go over there in Matthew, and he says, hey, the Lord created, God created the hell for the devil and his angels. You know what stopped that rebellion? Was judgment. The creation of a permanent judgment of hell fire, where the fire dieth not, the worm is not, the, the worm dieth and the fire is not quenched. And it stopped but it was all because they bought into a wisdom plan, a plan of wisdom. So what are we going to teach? Ah, I hate to do this to you. Go back to 1 Corinthians 2. Sorry. 1 Corinthians 2. I try to limit that, but it just 1 Corinthians 2. So we're going to educate the angels. This is, they have seen all this happen. They come along and they see 
they see God reach down and confound the languages in Genesis 11, establish his nation in the earth in Genesis 12 with, with Abraham and his seed. They watched Satan attack that seed line, starting with Noah. They, they watch him, do, and we'll see all this in the coming weeks. And they watch that stuff, and they're watching that, and they're looking at it. They see Abraham, then it's Isaac, and they see Isaac, then Jacob, and then they see Jacob, and out of Jacob comes, comes the tribe of Judah, and then out of our, our, uh, comes the family of Jesse, and here comes David, and there's the king, and they see all this fight over the seed. Because that's what Genesis 3.15 said it was going to be about. They see the great persecutor, Saul of Tarsus. They see Acts 9, the road to Damascus. And they go, what just happened? And you know who was leading that rebellion, that choir, was Satan himself. The most shocked creature in the universe was Satan when the Lord met Paul on the road to Damascus. Because it, he thought he had won. I've got Israel, Acts 7, stoning and committing the sin that can never be forgiven, which is the blaspheme of the Holy Spirit there, in, in, the, in the typology with the stoning of Stephen. They've completely done. I've got them. They're unusable by God. They're mine. And the Father says, yeah, but hang on a second. I got a 1 Corinthians 2, 7. But we speak the wisdom of God in a, what? In a mystery. Even the hidden wisdom, which God ordained before the world under our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Had they not known what? The it there is always a debate. It's not the cross. The cross has been talked about all through from Genesis 3 on. It's the hidden wisdom they know nothing about. You're going to kill him. You're going to hang the seed up there. He's going to die in three days. He's going to resurrect. But what does all that mean? Remember 1 Peter 1? We looked at it last week. The prophets were looking into that. They weren't trying to figure it out. And the Spirit says, just write it. It's not for you. It's for the people coming. Verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew. You see, folks... God took Satan. Satan fell by God keeping a secret. By keeping a realm of information about what his grace was all about. If you look back in chapter 1, verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Isn't that interesting? The world looks over and says, you guys are believing in a dead Jew that hung on a tree. That's a bunch of, boy, you guys are a bunch of fools. You know what we say? That's the power of God. You see, the angels looked into that. And you know what they do? They want to know. So you know what our job is to do? Our job is to come along and show them, instruct them, learn about who we are as members of the body of Christ. Learn about these heavenly places and our roles and our up and all that. Learn about that. Take this information and 
get it down into our inner man and then put it on display. Not only for all men to see, but to impact that heavenly realm, that angelic host. You see, Satan didn't realize that God had a plan for the heavens. He didn't realize that he had a plan for that that new creature, that new humanity. That new Adam that was coming. Satan didn't know anything about it. And when the Lord revealed it, come over to Colossians 1. We'll close here. Colossians 1. We were reading last time, last week, verse 16, so we'll just pick up there. For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. The all things are described to you as governmental positions, thrones, dominions, powers, principalities, mights, rulers, every other name that's named. Visible, that would be earth, wouldn't it? Nation of Israel, invisible, spiritual, the body of Christ. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. You know what? Prophecy comes along. Genesis 12, all about the earth. From Genesis 1, verse 2, all the way to the book of Acts, chapter number 9, it's all been all about the earth. Psalms 115, we read it a minute ago. The heavens belong to who? The Lord, the earth belongs to man. So now, okay, what about the heavens? He says, I got a plan. It's right here. Satan didn't realize it. Verse 20, 19, verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things to, unto himself. Reconcile. Restore it all back to the original decree. And just so you don't misunderstand what he's talking about, by him I say whether they be things in the earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. Isn't that interesting? You and I, we, because of Calvary, we play a part of this plan as well. There's something cosmic going on here, folks. <laughs> a little bit bigger than just getting saved out of hell. We're talking about eternity. When you go through the struggles of life now, and you do. When you go through the up days of life, and you do, just know that there are others watching to see how you respond to the doctrine that's resident in your inner man, and that that has an impact out into eternity. The angels are being educated, folks, and they're being educated about this 
reconciliation program that God has for the heavens, that part that he kept secret but now is revealing. And Satan doesn't like it. You know that song, if Satan doesn't like it, he can sit on attack? You know, reminds you of the old, old. You never sung that song before? Oh, come on. That's a good old, old time Sunday school song. Huh? There's joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. It's there to stay. And if the devil doesn't like it, he can sit on attack. Whoop, ow! And then you jump. Oh, man, you guys haven't. Come on, help me out, somebody. No? Okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Oh, ooh, ooh. Folks, the, the wisdom of God. Go back there to Ephesians 3. We're going to read a verse just to close right, right? If, to the intent that now and to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known the, by the church the manifold wisdom of God. The wisdom of God. That's what we're manifesting. And that's what the angels need to see. That's what they need to come to understand. How do you do it? You just do it by being who you are in Christ. By rejoicing in, in that sound doctrine of that. Living your life. Where you live life, we're all live different, have different lives that we live. Live as who you are in Christ. They watch that. They see you fail. They see you take that failure and become a more than conqueror in it. You know what it is to be a more than? You take the victory and you, rever you spin it out to a benefit of everyone involved. They see that. They rejoice. You rejoice. Okay? Now we're going to jump back into Mr. Satan next time a little bit more. Because his wisdom plan pops up, and the design of it is to weaken the nation, the nations. But it's also designed to weaken you and I, and we need to be aware of it, okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for the folks, for their patience, for their willingness to be here to study and to learn and to come to understand that we are a part of your reconciliation program, your wisdom program, your glory program. And we'll just do that to your honor and to your glory. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand.